They don't know, they don't know. Uh -huh. I can tell them, I can tell them what to go, what to go. Uh -huh. I can even, even tell them what I know, what I know. Uh -huh. I can tell them I done did this stuff before. Woo! I can tell them. Yo, 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 what is going on, my people? You are rocking with the No Compromise crew. I am Dave, a.k.a. Dafferty, a.k.a. Graf, a.k.a. G1. David is my original name, just in case. But we have another great topic, y'all, um, that we are continuing to build on, um, that we feel like it is just definitely something that weighs heavy on at least every black man's heart, you know, on a lot of people's hearts, but especially the black man. But we all have our own, you know, um, I guess, experiences with the police. My question is to you guys, do you feel like the police was here to serve and protect? Is the police here serve and protect in your, in your mind? Um, no, I, I think, um, no, not, not like, not the African-American community, not the low income community, you know, um, because the, there's a difference between the way they police African-American communities and the way they police in the suburbs. Because the same amount of crimes go on in the suburbs. People That's are on drugs. Right. People, people are addicted to different things, but you don't see them kicking down doors. You don't see them stopping people in the suburbs. They only do it in the inner city. Right. Right, right. What you think? What you think, Cor? Are police there to protect and serve? I'm gonna say yes, but, and there's a but attached to that, all right? Now, you remember the last conversation we had when I went into how the US is a business, right? Right, that's correct. So, when you say, when you use the term protect and serve, you need to think about what they're protecting and serving because it's not human beings. When, I mean, you are, right, let's go into the prison system. All right. When you're arrested, when you're, when you're being detained or whatever the case may be, all right, you are at, the, at that point an asset to right. the US. So, all right, I'm going to flip it to like, like this. If I owe you money, I'm then indebted to you by some, in some way, shape, or form. All right. In the eyes of the US government, if I go and kill someone, I'm costing them money. So yeah. as a human life, they're looking at us, no, you're taking money out of my pocket. So now I'm gonna need you to pay that back. So how are they gonna do that? You're going to jail. You're gonna work off what you owe. So when you say protect and serve, no, you're not protecting and serving people. You're protecting and serving your assets. That's what I got for now. Wow, wow, wow. So, I mean, so it's, 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 that was heavy because I mean, that, I mean, that's what they have on a, I mean, that's what they have on the side of their cars. Isn't that what they tell us all that they're here 
to serve and protect. They're here for the community. And it's, I think, I think um, black people get confused and we have a misconception because when they say serve and protect, they wasn't talking about us. It wasn't talking about serving and protecting us. It was talking about serving the slave owners and protecting, like Corey just said, their assets, protecting their investment, their interests. It's capitalism. So that's what and that's what my take is. I, I I don't think that they were ever really here to serve and protect us. They were here to serve and protect other whites from us because of the revolts and the um, insurrections that we were putting up, the resistance that we were putting up against them, you know, um, trying to gain our freedom. Is there such thing as good cops and bad cops? I, I think, you know, um, I, th I think, uh, you know, there, there are some good, genuinely good cops who want to make a difference. But then you got those bad cops that, that would overshadow anything that a good cop would do. You know, just like you have in this day and age, you have the media, you get me? And then you have like, you know, people that call themselves news, but all they do is push out conspiracy theories. Right. And then at the end of the day, people don't know which information, who, who to listen to or which information is accurate and which is not. And I think that is the same with every profession. Right. You know, sometimes we can look at, uh, I don't know, but so, some people might look at a brother walking down the street, pants sagging, and say, oh, he's a hoodlum, he's a gangster. He's a... He might be the most respectful person in the world, but because right. his pants sagging, you know, he's lumped in the category with everybody else. So I think it's like a perception that the, the bad cops have more of a perception than the good one. The good one won't put it put out the good stuff that they do out there if you're not seeing it. But then you got the, the ones that will, you know, shoot someone 41 times in the back. You got the yeah. ones that shoot, shoot someone seven times in the back and the guy is walking away from them. You, you know, so it, it's like there are certain images out there that, that are just, that will overpower. Right good that some cops do you know so i i'm not gonna lump them all in, in in the same category but i think that the good ones have to speak up when they see the bad ones doing something that's a fact they have to call them out and if you don't have the the balls to call them out then you're just in the same basket with all of them why they don't call them out though why, why won't they do it? Here, you know, like we had a brother in the Bronx, right? That, yeah, that was a yeah, officer. Yeah. And because he's willing to speak out, they will yeah. put him in the subway and they will right. put him in to do other things that no other cop wanted to do. Right. So they, they have a way of just making you do what every other cop 
don't want to do so that you don't have to speak up. If you don't see them doing it, then you don't have to talk to them about it or you don't have to snitch on them about it, you know? Right. So I think that's how they deal with, you know, people, honest cops that are willing to call them out on their stuff. Like, okay, well, since you, since you want to be snitching, we go just put you over there where nobody will see you and where you won't be able to talk to anybody. Right. <laughs> and, and that would be it, you know? So, yeah. Right. What you think, Corey? Your Nux, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's <laughs> going on, fellas? What's going on with y'all? Uh, what's the question? What I missed? Now nah, we, uh, we, we, we was, they was, they was just um, answering a good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop talk before we actually yeah. get on to the next question. They didn't get a chance to answer it from the last discussion. I know they had a lot to say about it because they, they've, I've yeah. heard them talk about this before. So, you know. Yeah, yeah do but your Cor- thing. But Cor, what you, what you think, Cor? Any good cops, bad cops? Is there such thing? I mean, there's definitely a such thing as good cops and bad cops. But I mean, like he was saying, you no know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. So, you gotta look at it in, in this aspect. When you start a new job, your first 90 days or whatever the case may be, you're doing nothing but wanting to impress and put your best foot forward and put nothing but positive energy in, in, into the air. But right. eventually, you run into that associate who's always, and we've all seen it and heard it, the, the one associate or person you're working with is like, oh man, fuck this job and this, this and that. And those are the bad cops that you need to be careful of because those are the ones negatively influence the positive ones. So that's where I say one bad apple spoils the bunch. If you have multiple bad apples, then I mean, eventually, if you're hearing something over and over, you're going to start believing it. Uh-huh. You know. So as far as like... um you're saying why don't they speak out against them right so cops have a policy called what is it, like the blue line or blue wall or something like that where the, they the, where they don't go against the bad right all right in that same respect you have doctors who have the doctor patient confidentiality clause right right in the navy and in in the army they have this same thing but yet when you get arrested the first thing they tell you to do is what Snitch. Right. So how is it that you want me to incriminate myself or give you probable cause? And I don't know whether you're a good or a bad cop, but you're not willing to put forth the effort to to say like, hey, you know, maybe we, we need to relook this. Um, that's all I got for now. Let me ask you this. So George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice. We can even Trayvon Martin. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a cop who killed him, but it was a wannabe. But back in the days, they would call him a, a night watcher. That's what police were before they were actually called the police. Then you have um, Amadou Diallo. Mike Brown, like we can go on. And most recently, Dante Wright. So many 
of uh, black people have been killed by the, at the and brutally beat brutally beating and killed at the hands of police but yet we're always told to keep the peace and we're always told to stay calm and protest peacefully and they, they it's a whole code that we have to go through just to try to survive that encounter with police is there a way for black people to avoid fatal confrontation with the police? I'm just gonna say no, because I mean, we've seen, you know, walking away from the cops, putting your hands up in the air, flagging the cops down for help being in your home, sleep, being in your backyard, walking to the store. I mean, the list goes on and on. No matter what you do, at the end of the day, it all depends on that cop's attitude that day. Right. Hey, look, we we come across as if we being dramatic, but at the end of the day, it's a luck of the draw. You know, um, anytime, anytime you, you get an opportunity, well, I'm not going to use opportunity, but anytime you get in front of the authorities, um, who knows how it can go? Like me, I play, I play slave when I'm uh, confronted by the cops. Right. And I, and I think that that'll work and it has worked for me a few times. Right. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, and this is with any human being. Right when you come across as a uh, uh, a doormat, that's just how they'll treat you, you know. And um, there's plenty of times I've I've dealt with cops and went home and like, oh my god, like I feel like less of a man, <laughs> you know. What's so, one of those times? What's one of those times when you felt like that? Most of the time, uh. most of the time, like where because you know they tell you to comply, right? And I comply, like. In, in every way, you know what I'm saying, every way. Step out, step out the car. Even though I know I'm not supposed to step out the car, I do it anyway. Uh, put your hands behind your back, do this, do that. I'm doing everything they ask me. I know half of the things they're telling me is against the law. Like it's, it's you know, it, it, it's beyond my rights, right? And uh, I still do it. But they always gotta go the extra mile and tell me to do something that I know I'm not supposed to sit on the curb. Dude, you know, man, like, come on, man, like, like, can I leave the situation feeling like a, an adult? You know what I'm saying? Feeling like a, a man, right? Your woman, and and he's like, I can't even look at her because I feel like less thin, you know. So, no, there's nothing we can do at the end of the day. Nothing we can do. Yeah, I think. Um, I think for me, I've been in uh, a few situations. I, um, so it, it depends on, for me, it depends on the cop and I guess how they're feeling that day. Because wow. one time I was um, I was driving with uh, a police officer pulled me over and said that I was driving with a broken taillight. So he wrote me a ticket, but he was like, yo, go get it fixed come to the prison with the ticket 
and I'll, I'll cancel the ticket. So I did that. But then like two, um, a year later, I got pulled over by another police officer. He said that I had two broken taillights. Hmm. So I'm expecting a ticket. He's like, oh, um, let me see license and registration. So I give him license and registration. And he comes back and he said, everything checks out. But he wasn't driving the paddy wagon. And so when he said everything checks out, he makes eye contact with the rest of the police officers in the paddy wagon. And they wow. now, about seven of them, start banging on the passenger side of the car. Like, get out the car, get out the car now. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So I get out the car and he's like, we need to search your car. I'm like, no, you don't. Uh, you need a search warrant. <laughs> I got out uh -huh. my car, but uh -huh. you need a search warrant to search my car. Because I paid money for that, so that's my possession. You know? He didn't like that. And he was angry. He was like, yo, if you don't let us search your car, we're taking you to the precinct. I was like, take me to the precinct. I did not commit a crime. <laughs> I got two broken taillights. All you had to do is write me a ticket. And that's it. I'll go out of my way, you know? And we did it for about 30 minutes with them trying to get into the car and stuff i was like no you can't get into the car then they ended up searching me i was like okay whatever you know and then eventually he was like you may go i was like okay so i drove off but i'm like you know it's a simple ticket right there ticket i'll get it fixed i'll pay the ticket it don't matter how much the ticket is but that's all you needed to do you didn't have to have you know your your whole group knocking on my door, put, you know, with their hands on their guns and stuff. I, I didn't commit any crime, right? you know? So, um, so it, it just depends, you know? They have a bad day, they might want to take it out on you. They need to meet a quarter. They might want to look for someone who, you know, they can pull over that has some type of criminal record. Now they, get a, they meet their quarter. They probably get paid overtime or whatever for that. You know, so it, it depends on what is the motivation with the stop and everything else, you know, so. Mm. Got you. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a hopeless feeling, man. I mean, I, I know it's probably an expired feeling, but it's a hopeless feeling of running to the authorities and the authorities is the one that's doing the harm. You know, right. like who do you run to at that point? Right. You know, that's like being in school because uh, being bullied and you run to the principal and the principal starts to bully you too. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> who do you run to at that point? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. But my, my thing, all right, so your core, your core. So why is it that, like Chuck said, that a lot of the times it depends on what type of day they're having, what type of day the police are having. We all have bad days. Why is it that when they have a bad day or if they are a part of the race, the racism, the, the systemic racism um, that was um, rooted here in America, why is it that when they have a bad day, they get a chance to go out and kill and they get sent home and um, but we're told to just chill. If you survive it, just live your life peacefully while they get to go out and take our lives. 
So, with that, I kind of feel like, how do I put this? Like, they know that black people are a threat. All right? I don't mean, like, just in terms of (laughs) like, we are number one in creating creativity. We can make anything from nothing. All right? Refrigerator, light bulb. I mean, I can go on. Cotton. Right. Go. All right? So, it is it's not a supremacy factor. It's an inferiority complex. Mm. Like, I know that no matter what I do, I won't be as creative as you. Or I can't <laughs> even to, to flip this. I can't go outside without sunscreen on. All right. But, um, it's, it's like you test your limits to see how far you can go. So every every so often, but all right, well, this ain't going on. They, they, they ain't do nothing right here. All right, we're going to push them a little bit further. All right, nothing happened. They didn't do anything. All right, we're going we gonna to go a little bit further. All right, you know, just trying to test the limits. I mean, if you think about it, we have seen more police shootings and killings in the past 15 years right past 100 it's to the point where now it's you're kind of numb to it all because now it's 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 like all right well another one bites the dust i mean i hate to say it like that but right you don't know you don't know how to how to how to you don't know how to take it. Sorry, man. Um, so basically, I think is um, the they have so much protection from the police union. Yeah, it's like man. yeah, it's like you you know. There's really like this lady that shot, you know, um, Dante Wright. Dante Wright. Yeah, yeah. She she was gonna resign because if she resigns, then she can get her pension. You, you get me? So right. they, they, they resign and they still get their pension. Hmm. You know, they, they, they kill a black man. They stay on the force or whatever. They probably get reassigned or they probably get suspended. Suspension would pay. You know, they reassigned to desk work. You know, and, and, and for me, I'm like, why can't we break the backs of the union? Why are the unions so powerful? You know, um, you know, so if you feel like you can kill someone with impunity and get away with it because you're a member of the police union or you got that protection, then there's really nothing. You just walk out there like you're larger than life. You know, like, hey, I might be good today. I might be bad tomorrow, but it's okay. It'll just be another complaint. On my record, I'm not gonna get fired anyways. Right. Before I get fired, I'll probably resign and get my pension. You know, so it is. So there's really nothing to that we can say a law out there to hold police officers accountable. 
you know um you know so for me that's that's really what it is i think we gotta you know we have to go after the union because the unions are so powerful right now right you know uh, people started talking about defund the police and then Donald Trump made it into a thing and all the police unions supported Donald Trump. And then when these people went to the Capitol and attacked the Capitol, you never heard anything from the police union. Even <laughs> though it was the police officers that were attacked and hurt, no police union spoke up after that. You know, so I'm I'm like, what's going on here? What is the double standard? You know, black people can't protest because a black man was killed or, you know, because a black man had his life, you know, squeezed out of him in broad daylight in front of cameras. But then, you know, people attacked the U.S. Capitol because of, you know, the lie of a stolen election because black people voted for the Democrats, <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, yeah, it, we're not talking about the white voters. We're talking about the black voters that put Biden in office. They stole the election. And so all the white people are upset and they attack the Capitol. Oh, yeah. And nobody, I'm like, those people got up and walked home. They left the Capitol and walked home. They're still looking for most of them. I'm like, you know, with this protest over there in um, in uh, Minnesota, the first night of protest, they called the National Guards. What happened? Why wasn't the National Guards there? You know, so so for me, I, I, I got mixed feelings about everything going on right now um, in the country. I feel like, you know, we're, we're not worth anything. We're not worth the dying. You know, and you know, it's like the you know, you got one group of people who wants to pass laws, and then you got another group of people who are saying, Oh, why should we care so much about black people and what they think? You know, because that's what that's what I I see. Like I watch Fox News, I'm like, they're calling, you know, they they're called um Mike Brown, young angry black man. Right. I'm like yeah. I'm like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? He wasn't, anybody can have a bad day, but that doesn't mean a police officer should shoot him multiple times and kill him in broad daylight. Doesn't make any sense. You know, so, yeah. Wow. Wow. And the, and the, the, thing, the thing is with Mike Brown, um, the cop that uh, killed him, I forgot his name, but he wasn't even... He wasn't in the confrontation long enough to even know how Mike Brown was. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's crazy I mean, for them to call the him. He was down the block. Yeah, it's crazy for them to just. So you shoot him from down the block, you know, before he can even get to you. That does not make any sense. So yeah. is there so is there a way for anybody watching? Right? Is there a way for us? to at least, what advice would you give someone that is pulled over by the cops? Um, what should they do? What shouldn't they do? So for me, right, when I get pulled over by the police, I, um, 
I turned off the engine and then I put two my two hands on the steering wheel. So they'll see I don't have a weapon or whatever, whatever. You know? But but that's the thing. You you don't know who you're dealing with. Right. That can't even save your life. George Floyd, he didn't have a weapon. In handcuffs, they still choked the life out of him. You know? And this this you know, um the Dante Wright, you know, he he got out of the car. He complied with everything. He just got back in the car. Let him let him ride home. Go arrest him at home or whatever. Right. You already have his address, you already have his license mm-hmm. number. You know, why can't we why can't they just think? Think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, he thinks he's getting away. I'm going to be at his home before he he even gets home. You know? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey look. Look. Uh, so I, I have a client that's a former cop. And I was talking to him a little bit today. And I kind of asked him that question that you just asked, uh, G. Um, what do you do when a cop pulls you over? And he said, you know, it's this simple. I can't tell you that it'll go your way, but I can tell you to do this. He said, turn off your engine, take your keys, put it on top of the hood, put your hands back in your car, and put it on your steering wheel. He said, that's an a, a unspoken language to the cops that are showing mercy. Uh, you're not going to give them a hard time, and you're complying. So that's what he told me today. So that's me passing it on to you guys. Yeah. Turn off your car. Take it. A lot of us got push starts, but take that little piece, put it on top of the hood, put your hands back in your car, and put it on the steering wheel. That's how you supposedly supposed to make it. Hmm. I'm gonna say comply as best as you can, but protect yourself. Because at the end of the day, like these guys are saying, you don't know who you're dealing with. All right, just a quick story. This is three weeks ago. All right. So I'm going to my mother's house. And to go to my mother's house, I have to pass by um, the courthouse. All right. So my wife's truck, her registration was up in March. It was March. All right. Cop gets behind me and was like, uh, Threw on his flashes. I knew what it, what it was. Turn the car off. Put my hands on the steering wheel. Okay. Comes up to the car and is like, "Son, do you know why I pulled you over?" He called you son. First thing I said was, "I'm not your son." His response was, "Well, somebody has an attitude." I said, "No, sir, I don't have an attitude, but I'm not your son." All right. Now this is once again I'm saying you don't know who you're dealing with. Right. I read him just off of that that one sentence. All right. He goes, all right, I need your license and registration. I was like, can I can you tell me why I'm being pulled over? Well, I'm pulling you over because uh your registration is almost up. <laughs> what I just said. I'm pulling you over because your registration is almost up. So well, what do you mean by that? Well, it says 321. So it's March. 
okay, it says 321. I say, it's March. So he he gets an attitude, takes my uh, license registration, goes back to his car. Is at his car for 15 minutes. Comes back and was like, uh, do you have any weapons in the car? Never gives me back my license registration. I've been out here for 15 minutes, all right? Do you have any weapons in the car? No, I do not. Do you mind if I search your car? What? Do you mind if I search your car? I said, I don't consent to a uh, check with, uh, um, I don't consent to my vehicle being searched without a warrant. At that point, now I've been out there 15 minutes already. Never gave me back my license registration. Goes back to his car. Okay? Never gave me back my license registration. Comes back 15 minutes after that. So now I've been out there for 30 minutes on the side of the road in a hot car. All right. Now, I have in my car a uh, computer that lets me um, check codes for vehicles and stuff. So he comes back to the window, gives me my license registration, and was like, um, what is that in your cup holder? What is what in my cup holder? He said, what is that? Is that a breathalyzer? A breathalyzer. Now, Dave, you, you've seen that, that little computer I have. Right. Now, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be a smart ass or anything, but it, it, the, the sheer stupidity blew me. So he was, I was like, no, it's not a breathalyzer. He was like, well, uh, do you mind if I look at it? I was like, where would I blow? At that point, he gets an attitude and walks off. So, I mean, that I'm just saying all of that to say, you know, you don't know who you're dealing with or what mentality they're going to be in that day. Now I got home. I got to my mother's and I told her about the situation. And she said I should have got his uh, license. I mean his uh, badge number and a uh, a card or whatever. But the way I feel is he wouldn't have gave it to me anyway, and it would have been it, it probably would have escalated even further than that. So yeah, uh, comply as best you can, but protect yourself. Right, right. Like you, you would have. Would have got his badge number and told who. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like how many cops we we seen uh, after they shot people? They have like a a a, a huge record of, of complaints and 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 prior shootings or prior situations where they were maybe racist or doing something that they weren't supposed to do. Like who cares? That, that does nothing. Like you're telling on the authorities to the authorities. Like. Like, who do you run to? Right. Who do you run to? So it's a waste of time. Right. I mean, for for, for, for me, yo, I've had a lot of run-in with the cops, just like every other black man in America. So when they do pull me over, let me get this. Here's my wallet. You know, you can reach for it. I get it. Give it to them. Keep looking ahead. They ask me, what's my name? What's my birthday? I tell them my name, my birthday. I keep looking ahead. I don't talk. You know what I'm saying? I don't tell them that I know my rights. And because one thing that um, these racist police officers and believe racist police officers don't have to be only white. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of Spanish. There's a lot of um, uh, Asian. There's a lot of Middle Eastern and definitely black dressed up as their color, but white on the inside. Remember, policemen started off protecting the interests of the white man. So 
I mean, at that point, bro, um, I don't speak a lot. I give them what they need and I just stay calm. I don't, like I said, I don't scream out that I got my rights. I don't tell them if I got a weapon in the car. I don't do none of that. You know what I'm saying? If they didn't ask, I ain't saying nothing. And that's what you got to go by. Go by the code, y'all. Like as black men, especially black men. I mean, because they do the same with our black women. But as black men, try to get back home to your family. Don't, don't try to get smart with them because at the end of the day, even if you do win the physical war, you pull out, if they try to try to uh, harm you and you have a weapon and you harm them, you still gonna have uh, uh, SWAT team, all of that. They gonna they gonna come and see you later. So the best thing to do for me, speakers, keep your your your, your speech, keep it very minimal. Don't look them into the eye until they actually look them in the eye. You know what I'm saying? More than likely, they actually they probably they want to talk about if you're drunk or high or whatever. But more than likely, look straight ahead. Don't speak as much. Give them what you need to give them. Keep calm and make it back home. Don't worry about your dignity at that point because you're trying to stay alive. Remember, as black people, we were we, we are masters at knowing how to survive because we've done it for more than 800 years. So we know how to survive. Survive and get back home. If you ain't got family, you're getting back home to your own self. Get back home to your Xbox, whatever the case may be. Get back home, you know what I'm saying? Leave your, leave the pride, leave all your intelligence because we know they don't like intelligent black people. Don't tell them your rights and you just, the, you know, the, the, the Civil Rights Act they passed in 1964. Don't tell them your father used to, you know, march with Martin Luther King. Don't tell them none of that. Just give it to them and go. You know what I'm saying? It's not that easy. Again, you don't know. You can be doing all of that stuff and still get killed. They probably won't shoot you, but they'll strangle you to death. They'll do something. So the best thing I would say, just hope to God in that moment, stay calm, don't speak as much. Don't show them how smart you are. Not at that point, it ain't about that. You can fight that in court. Right now, fight for your life. That's what I would say. Hey, you said it yesterday. Uh, Today, right? I said, uh, treat cops like criminals. You know, treat them like criminals. Uh, when you, I don't know if ever been mugged before, but if you ever was mugged war, you don't tell your mugger <laughs> about your rights, right? No. You just give them what they're asking for and get back out of that moment. Same thing with the cop. Give them what they're asking for, what they ask for, and get the heck out of that moment. That's simple. So let me let me let me ask you this. Um, let me ask you guys this. Lastly, like, do you feel that? So can unity be achieved between the the black community and police? Is that possible? I don't I don't know if it's possible, but this is a an approach I would take make all current officers reapply for their jobs right now. Set a, a standard what a, an officer is supposed to be um, and make every current author reapply for their jobs. What should be the standard? Based off the criteria of now. 
after you you change criteria and make them reapply for their position. We'll probably get back 20% of the offices we had, but it's a start. Hmm. I'm saying no. I mean, just off the fact that there's basically two Americas. You have white corporate America, and then you have everyone else. I mean, a bad day for me is blowing a tire and being stuck on the side of the road or getting pulled over by the police. A bad day, a bad day for someone of non-melanated skin is you lost your job so you went and killed six people and got to go home they came and got you the next day you went to a protest and killed two people but injured three you went to a church and sat through the whole sermon right and killed almost everyone in the congregation and got to go to McDonald's afterwards yeah burger king regardless of the fact i'm i'm going to say no because you can't treat me one way and turn around and treat murderers and convicts a whole another way right it's not us doing these mass shootings, but yet it's always our heads on the chopping block. With policing and the community, is that the quote unquote good cops? They would have to come out, stand out, and band together and show the nation that here we are we're the we are the actual good cops that you guys don't see we are in the communities we're looking to be within the community if the police would have the same heart of sergeant carol dorsey that's out in california if the whole police force would have the same heart as Dr. Delance, uh, um, Delancey Davis. If the whole force would have that mentality, then I think that unity can be achieved because those folks actually care for the community. They care for the people. They lived in the community, so that's why they care for the community. Like they had cousins, uncles, these people, are not gonna, they're not cool with seeing someone, um, you know, uh, go into the wrong apartment and shoot someone and then try to cry and act like, you know, you did it by accident and then get hugged up on by the judge and all of that and by the family talking about, we forgive you. Like, what type of crap is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, we need the good cops to say to come out and not be afraid to, to testify. But because they're under the pressure of something bigger, which is white supremacy. That white supremacy got them in the hold. And I think it's it's keeping that, it's, it's creating a chism 
in between the, the, the black community and police. And I know people may say, well, you know, other races other go races. through the same thing. Yeah, other races may go through the same thing with um with police. Well, we're not saying that they do, but nobody goes through the type of trauma, the type of um the type of brutal treatment, harsh treatment, and no other race have has been systemically engulfed in their hate the way that we have and have been forced yeah, have been to, have to cope with this. You know what I'm saying? So in my in my eyes, I think it could be achieved only and solely if if they look at themselves as one with the community. Even though you train and you know the difference between the feel, a, a taser is gonna feel lighter than a gun. You know what I'm saying? So we're talking about fiberglass or plastic versus. Let, let me jump in there right quick. I am off. All right, a mistake is giving me Pepsi when I ordered Coke. <laughs> what? Just um, the way that a gun is holstered. All right, a gun is holstered on a policeman's belt like this. There are two different motions. Okay. So to unholster a pistol, you have to pull the pistol up. Whereas with your taser, and this has been established that they put the, the gun on their dominant side. If you're right, if you're right-handed, the gun is gonna be on your right side. If your if your um gun is on this side, your taser is on this side. To unholster your taser, you have to pull it away from you. It's, it, the motions are completely different. So I don't understand how it is that you can get the color the feel and the, the motion all confused with this. That's what I didn't mean to cut you off. Nah, you good, you good, brother. You good. I hit on that. Uh, I, I remember watching uh, the trial of the lady that shot the dude in his crib and um, the brother giving her a hug. And yeah. I was saying to myself, I said, my man Dave is most religious person I've ever known growing up. I can't see him doing that in that situation. Right. Right? I, I couldn't right. picture that. Right? So I knew, knew it didn't really have anything to do with religion. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as uh, policing, um, I don't think it's, our, it, it's really not our problem to fix. Yeah, it's not. Nope. I agree um, with you. Yeah. How, how many times do we got to be the victim and fix the problem as the victimizer. <laughs> I mean, as the as the victim, you know, like it's it's not on us to to fix it. It it's really not. So, hopefully, you know, we can put enough pressure on them to to get it together. But at the end of the day, it ain't our job to fix it. I agree one hundred and ten percent. I mean. It, it, it's a slippery slope and what I mean is like there definitely has to be some type of reform but mm -hmm. where reform come from I mean if we're sitting here telling you what it is we need and you're not listening we're basically just sitting here screaming at wall you don't know what's needed in our communities we're the ones that have, that have to live that live out here and know what's going on and who shot who and whatever the case may be. 
Right. right. In order to have some kind of reform, you first have to build trust within the community. And no, that does not go go to say, uh, all right, I'm going to go out here and do this little photo op where I'm playing basketball with these kids. <laughs> We've all seen that. Right. I see. We, I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> you back in that same community, throwing them little kids up against the wall just because the cameras ain't around them. So until we can trust you, no, there's not going to be any reform. That's all I really got to say. Oh, one one thing, um, just to hit on that, Smith with the camera, cameras is around, right? Like, always the definition of a relationship is, it's not how you treat me good with me, it's how you treat me when we ain't good. Right. right. So right. you're happy with me right now playing basketball. But what about when I do something that is not okay with? Are we still going to go play basketball? You know? So take that into consideration. A lot of the times we can't, it's hard for us to figure out why are we being treated this way? Right? That's the question we ask. Why are they treating us this way? where they treated the slaves the same way. And then they treated, uh, 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 the after slavery, they still treated us the same way. When you have a system that was brought up in racism and it's never been um, any reform or any revolution to that system, it still exists. It's still here. You know what I'm saying? So, as long as they still have in their minds the Dred Scott case where they say, hey, you know what? The black man has no rights that we have to respect. You don't have any rights that we got to respect. They've thought that before the Civil War. They thought it after. They thought it before the Great Migrations. They thought it after. They thought it before Breonna Taylor. They still think it after, right? This is the reason why they can kill us, shoot us and our people in cold blood and still step over us. Like what they did with Breonna Taylor. All in her apartment, stepping over her as if she was just a blanket on the floor. Like you step over your blanket. They're stepping over one of our black queens on the floor. And so I don't think that even a protest is good enough. You know what I'm saying? After you protest, then what? Fellas, I appreciate y'all, man, you know, hanging out with me one more time. You know what I'm saying? Um, definitely, it was a dope discussion. Definitely, bro. Stay good, y'all. Stay safe. Until next time. I love that. Peace.